Hello friends, my name is Steve and we're here today to discuss volume 10 of Berserk and that is in Deluxe Edition 4 or you can be OG like Joe over here with these <laughs> OG versions. Dan, you probably have the OG versions, right? Uh, I have some Italian versions, but not all of them. So uh, we'll get into it. We, we'll be uh, talking spoilers, so if you haven't read it, then you may not want to watch or listen. Uh, Dolores, will you kick us off with introductions? Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you might be joining us in the world. Uh, my name is Dolores, and I am excited to be here with my fellow book readers to discuss today's <laughs> today's berserk edition, right? So. Yeah. And Joe? I'm JCM Byrne. I'm author of Wistful uh, I have a copy of Berserk, but I don't have a copy of my own book. So. <laughs> That's how good I am at marketing. And I have my own YouTube channel, Book Burning. Everyone should watch it. Well, not everyone. Someone should probably watch it, though. <laughs> you are terrible at marketing. Joe has a great a great channel. Go check it out. Everyone should you go watch. You should check it out. Yes. yes. Definitely a recommend. Two thumbs up. Someone on, someone on, uh, on Twitter was like, oh, I've heard only good things about your book. And I'm like, I'll share some bad reviews with you. You can have your opinion. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's really dumb. Why would I do that? So I didn't actually do it, but I thought about it. Oh, Joe, don't do that. <laughs> I don't want expectations to be too high, you know. That's, that's the secret to, like, life and romance is lowered expectations. That's what I always say. It's kind of depressing, but okay. <laughs> Dan, give us some uplifting, give us an uplifting positive introduction. Uh, my life is going great, I guess. Um, I don't know. Uh, my name is Dan, and I'm a big fan of manga and grim dark fantasy. So this is kind of my bread and butter. And yeah. And of course, Varsha. Hi, I'm Varsha. I have a YouTube channel called Reading by the Rainy Mountain, which I am currently severely neglecting. But I'll get back to it in a few weeks. <laughs> There's a well, it'll be pretty busy here soon, so mm -hmm. I don't think you have to worry okay. about that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, volume 10. What did everyone uh think about this one? Any any thoughts to start off with? Not I was once. trying to remember because I have such a terrible <laughs> memory whether um, that worm that came to visit Griffin. Griffith, yeah. sorry, um, is the same as the one we saw before, the Count who got sucked up into the demon maelstrom. Uh, mm -hmm. It's the same dude, right? Or at least it looked similar. Um, yeah. And there were some other familiar looking ones as well. You're talking about the little demon things? There was this one that looked like a snail slug thing. That looked a lot like the count. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In the forest. Yeah. I, I think it's. I mean. Oh. It pretty much looks the same. Yeah, I guess this one didn't actually visit Griffith, but I mean, it showed up. I don't remember to whom. No, it's the other, the other like small slug thingy, deformed slug thingy that visits Griffith, right? Yeah. Yeah. But we also saw that before. Hmm. 
suppose we have, yeah. A couple of times, I think, actually. And and I wondered if Griffith will ever get to take his helmet off from this point on. <laughs> does he? Does he? Do we want him to? So I yeah. I don't know. Yeah, if I want to see what he's. Uh, what's underneath yeah. there? Yeah, because as Femto, he has his helmet on. Mm. Maybe it's part of his body at that point. I don't know how mm. demons work. Well, <laughs> or, and uh, we don't know what the torture dude had done to him. I mean, he did some. He kind of alluded to some of the things he did, yeah. but who's to say he didn't like burn it onto his skin, sort of like the uh, the Iron Mask. Yeah. It was that one uh, one classic book. I can't think of it, but the Iron Mask. Where's the yeah. yeah. <laughs> or if you saw uh, GI Joe, uh, the, I don't know the early two thousands. <laughs> Do you remember at the end where um, the uh, arms dealer? <laughs> They, they, oh, I, again, yeah. I like how your references just span the gamut of literature. I know. Well, Chris wrote a G.I. Joe film. The G.I. Joe film where the guy's face literally was like turned into like metal. Mm. And, um, oh, I can't even think of his name. Um, I forget his name. Oh, what was it? He was mm. the arms dealer. He was um, the he villain, was right? Guy. He was one of the villains, and he becomes. Oh, you know what? I gotta look for his name now. Well, at least in this mo in this movie version with uh, Chatham Tate. Uh, what is it, Chatham Tatum? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sorry, I'm so bad at these movies right now. She yeah, mentioned the one was one of the first comics I ever bought. Hmm. Oh, was the right? Was it the Rise of the Cobra? I. I'll figure it out. But anyways, but I mean, like, literally, we don't know if it's been, like, seared to his skin, right? Well, we saw yeah. that they can open it. So at least we know the front is not, like, attached to him. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he did say that he did, like, cut through his face to his muscles and stuff like that. He did, like, explicitly say that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And his tongue was cut out. I was just like, uh, okay. Yeah. Mm. This this guy was really a sadist. It was just yeah. kind of gross. And it was interesting that he hasn't been blinded. It didn't look like it, at least. And everything else was out. Uh, I found this lug thingy, this, this guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's the same one we saw just before we started the Golden Age, right? I think so. Unless there's copies of it. Um, but... Mm. Yeah. yeah. Now they, all the demons seem fairly unique, I guess. Mm, um, yeah. I know, there might be some copies. The the count seemed to have been possessed by that demon, so I don't know. Maybe they can change bodies or something, or maybe this is the count. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I did. Uh, I did have to laugh in the first few pages when uh, when. Uh, Guts is, t is has this big long model, uh, big long speech about how he's uh, we're gonna he wants to have his own thing and you know he wants to go off and and she just laughs at him like yeah yeah pretty funny. <laughs> uh, she tells him uh, it must have taken all the brains you have <laughs> that was so grandly spoken yeah because in the end he says that oh what he wants to do is just go on his own and fight on his own pretty much yeah 
yeah cask <laughs> yeah i'd forgotten about that i read it last week and didn't reread it again but yeah that, that was hilarious and, and i was also laughing to myself because you know uh, there's like a what what is this a four or five page sequence of guts meditating with his sword <laughs> <laughs> he was becoming one with the sword mm -hmm. open his own studio sword meditation <laughs> Which executive come in giant sword you know everyone sits around but but this again, this 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 notion of going off and like training and becoming like a better swordsman for its own sake, it fits into that into that Japanese tradition. Like it really reminis it's really reminiscent of like the storyline of Vagabond, which is Miyamoto Musashi's history of like just his life was he was exonerated for a life where he basically all he did was like get really good at like swordsmanship in a country which was not at war and get really good at beating other guys in duels. And he's like one of the most famous and revered people from that period of history, which I think, I feel like in the West, it's a little weird, but it's very Japanese. And this is what Guts is saying he wants. He wants to be a wandering dude. And, you know, he doesn't quite go dojo busting, but like in the last volume, right, he's not quite at that level, but in the last volume, you know, he's going on entering contests, fighting the toughest guys just to see if he can yeah. beat them. You know, it's very close to that. Go into the, the, you know, go into the, 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 the dojo and like, who's the toughest guy here? I'll fight him, you know, and, and, but that's, uh, that's sort of respected in that culture and not, maybe, I'm not saying it's not respected here, but it's, it, it, maybe it strikes, it's a little weird to a modern Western sensibility, but it's not, it's, I don't think it would strike people reading manga in the 90s or 2000s is crazy. We've seen that lots. So, He's re he's he's like uh, the Miyamoto Musashi of giant swords. Of giant swords. <laughs> uh, yeah. It just seems to me that he could be doing the same with the hawks, really, and that would be really the same, to be honest. Uh, but I think he wants to go and like be like recognized and get the notoriety as just him, and then come back and say, "Look, Griffith, like without you, I still ma I still." Beat up a lot of innocent people. Yeah, <laughs> in the name of my sword. I don't know. He does say that he will never allow someone else to wield his sword in future. That someone else's dream to uh, let him wield the sword, and that seems to have been born of his thinking back to Gambino. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this this bit. Um, right here, this, this I don't know if that's yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I feel like uh, maybe his time on the mountain perhaps helped him realize that he's just sort of like zombieing through with the sword, but now he wants to do that with purpose. Um, and if he does it this way, he's not like killing any kids, mm. right? He's not like like murdering people, like, like, who are like you know, sneaking around, telling secrets, and just. He's fighting like other people who are in it for the fight. Like there's a different mm -hmm. moral component to what mm -hmm. he's doing. He's not really like he's not just ambushing random strangers. He's going to contests where other people signed up to be in the. It's like a professional fighter almost. And yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, fun. that makes sense. Yeah. It's more of a choice, right? Like yeah. people choose to fight each other. It's not because they've been put into that situation, right? Again, mm -hmm. another. Another, I the other idea of like, is this free will, right? Do we have the free choice to decide what we do with our, our futures? Yeah. 
And uh, so we do learn, well, when they're, <laughs> they're going down to, to rescue Griffin, we do learn the story of Supreme King, Supreme King Gaiseric? Is that Supreme King. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he looks awfully familiar. The skeleton. The skeleton knight. Right. Yeah, I've been trying to remember where where have I heard that name because I've heard that name before. Mm. Gaiseric, um, like from history. Mm. I don't remember. I don't know if it's like some Gallic uh, chieftain or maybe later, but I do remember it's it's pre something pre medieval. Uh, I don't know if it's relevant or if he just thought it was a cool name. Uh, but the ruins that we saw there in the, um, in the pit, they look like Roman or Greek or ancient, at least. He um, was, uh, he ruled a kingdom he established and played a key role in the decline of the Western Roman Empire during the 5th century. Through his nearly 50 years of rule, he raised a relatively insignificant sure. Germanic tribe to the status of major Mediterranean power. Mm. Oh, the king of the Vandals. Now I remember. Okay. Mm. Oh. Yeah. I wonder if that was... Maybe he just thought the name was cool. Oh. And it is. But I like it. Uh, but yeah, it's... I guess we get a bit more context as to maybe who he might be. Maybe. Uh, but how... What his role in the story is. It's not like, what does he want? Why is he still around? Yeah. <laughs> How did he... I suppose um, the creatures that came to visit Griffith, do you think they are from the dead of that kingdom? And do you think the skeleton king escaped somehow and the others are still stuck there, but they are coming to visit Griffith because he's down in there with them? No, I mean, I think we can pre for almost for sure know that it's got something to do with a previous ritual because we see the corpses and we see the mark that we saw mm. previously um so we know that if, if there's a lot of them so mm -hmm. it must have been something big um and i don't know you can speculate who knows maybe he uh based on the story maybe he sacrificed a bunch of people to become the king right maybe mm. that could be one of the reasons or maybe someone else did something to usurp him uh, and that was the ritual, so uh, mm -hmm. we don't really know. The brand is the mark of sacrifice, isn't it? Or am I remembering that wrong? Yeah, no, I because yeah. remember when the count had to decide, and it had to be somebody that he loved, right? Or is that just only specific to someone like, important? I think mm -hmm. it has to be like someone that's like it, you have to lose a part of yourself almost, right? Yeah, so I mean, all the there's a lot of people with the mark, so how close were they to whoever sacrificed them or maybe there were many people like oh no, look i'm gonna sacrifice you it was a bunch yeah. of people doing the, the ritual mm -hmm. well and what's pretty significant too is the the name of the actual tower right like the tower of rebirth so mm -hmm. like what is being reborn there it wasn't mm -hmm. like the tower of doom or like you know the end of the times i mean it's like the tower of rebirth so I don't know you could like look at you could you could put some some similarities or some you know symbolism to even that name itself right like what's being reborn here and like what's still hiding in those those deep 
you know, deep taverns and tunnels. Because, I don't know, rebirth usually sounds, you know, optimistic, right? Like there's some sense of positivity, like you're coming from the ashes to be reborn. But, I don't know, you look at this place and it's just doom and gloom. Yeah. <laughs> and, and skeleton knight does not look very alive. Yeah. Is that maybe what he did the ritual for to be? Yes, those that picture, yeah. I'm I'm very embarrassed to admit that I did not notice that mark at all on all the dead people. <laughs> I see it now. There, it's there. It's fairly obvious to see. Yeah. <laughs> I I did a double take. I didn't notice it at first, and then I was gonna turn the pages like, oh, that looks familiar. Yeah, it's like there. We we have these constant reminders that the mark is somewhere to be seen, I guess, or to be found. Yeah. So it's interesting that there are that many people, though, because, yeah, what you all said earlier, it needs to be someone important. It's impossible that one person had that many important people to sacrifice. Or uh, was it a mass sacrifice thing where many people sacrificed those important to them and became slugs in varying shapes and sizes? <laughs> or, or are they stuck in some other dimension, right? Because you would think that if you've been marked <clears throat> to actually face death or to be, you know, to like die would be like paradise, right? You're no longer bound to this like evilness, like you're finally free. Mm. So it's kind of, it would be, you know, kind of nice to know what happened to them, but maybe we're not supposed to know that right now. Yeah. I mean, we kind of know a bit. Uh, yeah. Because we've seen a bit of that um, and it doesn't look like paradise. And again, it depends what they cosmology or metaphysics of your world is right it mm -hmm. doesn't have to be a good thing maybe everyone that dies is just goes to hell uh you know <laughs> Steve, you might have some information about that from some other book series but uh mm -hmm. or they go to purgatory where it's just like this eternal hell right yeah but i mean don't know uh, but eventually guts gets this mark on him right yeah and I don't know, it feels like he almost wants to die, right? Because <laughs> maybe death would be the escape and the true freedom, right? Even though he might go to hell, but at least, you know, he knows where he's going. But I don't know. We don't know how. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to wait to the end to see how that gets resolved. Well, we don't see a lot of other people walking around alive for a long time with a mark on. Mm -hmm, that's like, true. I mean, what's this kind of defining characteristic is that will to struggle regardless of how shitty things are. He does not relent, and that's the one. That's the first thing Griffith, Griffith noticed about him. That's his mm -hmm. defining characteristic: is that you know stubbornness, that's will to, to fight, right? So he's walking around the mark, and we see people in the first few volumes, and people recognize him. By the way, you're still walking around with that thing, like we thought <laughs> you should be dead by now, and it's like no, because it's guts. So yeah, these guys probably didn't last very long with that mark, I would imagine. Um, and then when you die, don't you join that maelstrom thing we saw when the Count was going to sacrifice his daughter? They're all part of that, like, sea of, like, faceless suffering or something? Yeah. yeah. lovely afterlife. He chose that instead of sacrificing his daughter. Yeah. So I have a feeling that's where these guys are. Unless we learn more in the future, which I don't But know. everything we know about it is from the five big demon guys said. Uh, I, I don't know if they... I think they've said it's called hell or something, but, again... Um, you know, we don't have any proof of anything, right? We just know there's a maelstrom with um, souls of dead people in it, mm. I guess. Um, 
So maybe we'll get more information later. Um, but yeah. I wish I remembered. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. So this, um, sorry, we, I think Dolores mentioned another dimension, but we've seen this before, right? God's in some fainting yeah. spells found oh, yeah. himself in a strange walled place like this. Yeah. I remember it happened just before the the killing in the cart, I guess, when a bunch of demons attacked him, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, I'm like also, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I like how it's all like sort of Escher-like um, geometries and uh, architecture, mm -hmm. and you're supposed to be like, okay, this makes no sense um, mm -hmm. spatially or geometrically, or there's no up and down and anything. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've seen it before too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he, um, so this this skeleton slug dude says. <laughs> We seek an audience with you and calls Griffith, O blessed king of longing. Mm -hmm. Where they, yeah, they, they even call him a prince, right? When those little creatures come out of the wall. Mm -hmm. And he yeah. thinks he might be having a hallucination, so you don't quite really know if it's real or not. But they do call him a prince. So it's like, mm -hmm. okay, prince of what? Yeah. I mean, I think I think God, uh, sorry, Griffith thinks that it's a hallucination, but we probably know by this point that it's likely not, right? Mm -hmm. It's the yeah. Godhead, right? Isn't this yeah. what they would call them? The Godhead? God hand, I think. Or God hand. Yeah, yeah. God hand. Right. Interesting. Is that is God hand a play on God head, but just using a different part? <laughs> I think we're gonna. You guys see why we're called that like that. <laughs> Shows it pretty explicitly. I'm thinking in three volumes or something. Okay. And it's fine. I don't know if they showed it before when they went into the dimension before. I don't think so. But yeah. mm. there's five of them, right? Yeah. Yeah, we did see them all um, just before the count when just before. <clears throat> We started the golden age. I think that was the last thing we saw before the the golden age started. With trying to find that yeah. section, I wonder if the translation is the same in my volume. Which well, one? The, the, oh, the, the blessed king. Yeah, because remember we so we found a translation change. Yeah. My edition from yeah. yours. And now I, I read this a week ago, and I don't remember what they said. It's towards the beginning of the, of the volume. This um, of us, the unforgiven, that's also interesting, I suppose. We sort of had a sense of that before, that, you know, they are the ones who will go to hell. But is it of their own doing? Do they become like this because they are unforgiven? That that is interesting too. I don't know. That's that's also interesting because um, I guess it depends on what your theology is or what your philosophy is. It's like mm -hmm. in some theologies uh, you have to choose to be damned, 
right? It has mm-hmm. to be for your own actions. And several other ones, someone else can make you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, damned, uh, can make you do an action that you didn't realize uh, would be the effect. But, you know, I guess in, in more Christian theology, you, you would have to know to willingly, you know, do a thing which is bad to mm-hmm. you know, yeah. go to hell. That's it's uh, interesting. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Inten- no, I was just going to say it's the intent, right? Like, mm. did you intend to do some malicious act? Did you intend yeah. to take that action? Like, you have to actually know what you're doing and have the intent yeah. of doing it versus, like, if you're just kind of going along with it, right, and have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, in a lot of ancient, I guess, religions, a lot of time, you can be tricked into doing the wrong thing, and then you just go to whatever equivalent of hell or whatever... <laughs> the gods don't like right or you're you're asked for forgiveness or you know other ways to redeem yourself yeah in this world it feels like the sacrificer and the sacrificee both are damned um so i guess it's a mix of both of what you said you choose to be damned maybe i mean you have to keep up with your with whatever you did to make yourself immortal or whatever but and if when you stop you get sucked into the maelstrom but also the people who bear the brand also are sort of doomed right or damned it's a metaphor for capitalism you either sacrifice the other people and then you are damned but you're at the top of the heap damned or you don't and you're still damned but you're bottom of the heap damned that seems fair ever thought of this as a Economics lesson, but (laughs) almost every work of uh, fiction can be interpreted as a critique of capitalism (laughs) in our society. (laughs) But my translation is the same. Okay. Blessed King of Longing. Okay. Hmm. If anyone else was curious. (laughs) No, but that's nice to know that there are some, that some of the translation hasn't been changed. But it'd always be interesting to find the, the spots where they're they're different. Okay, I had a question. So the king, the old the old dude, mm-hmm. at one point he says, "Summon what is it? The Bakiraka." Yeah, like that group. I'm like, okay. So if he had this group of like you know mercenaries, why didn't he just go to, go and ask them to do it, do stuff instead of the better the hawks? <laughs> Well, you, like, you already had this group, right? So the like, what happens at the end, right? With the the dog people, the dog whatever. The, uh, that what other I, knight, Wyleth, or yeah, he's like, now shit's getting serious. Get the dog knights out, I'm like, dude, like, like you, you kind of could have used them before. It's like exactly stuff as you go along because that's what it feels like. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, given well, we know what it's. What they're like. I mean, I can understand not using them before, given what, um, you know, what they do and what they were part of the army. You think you would have sent them into uh, into that fortress before you'd send the White Knights, the not the yeah, the Band of the Hawk. Maybe it just it feels a very kind of ad hoc. Like, what else can I throw in here? And that's like a very small group of assassins, though, and the band has hundreds of soldiers. So, yeah, but they, they they seem like they're the elite, you know, like you send in the elite when you need them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why yeah. did you send the elite in earlier? Now you're like, 
What else are you holding out? What else have you got? How have we not seen them before? Like mm. We've seen like pretty yeah. gnarly situations for, for Midland. How have we never mentioned these guys? Yeah. Well, maybe maybe they did something, but nobody knew, right? Because Inferior, they're assassins. So if nobody knows about them, they're doing the job well, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then they're like on hand. Like that's the other thing that I found weird. Yeah. I believe if you have to like send for them, like send a pigeon and send them, send them from a distant land. They're like, they're like what, they're hanging out in his guest wing? Because like during the breakout, he says summon the Bakarak and they show up like an hour later, like... Mm -hmm. Where do you keep these guys? They're kind of creepy. You know? <laughs> they turn on like the bat signal. <laughs> That's what it feels like, right? Yeah. Like, you know, they said like smokes, they do the smokestacks thing, right? Oh, we're being summoned. We we've got to go now. <laughs> I just found that really, I mean, even if they had just mentioned them a little earlier and said, no, we don't, we don't want to deal with them because they're just evil. We only want to deal with the the Ben Hawks. I think I would have been okay with that because then there would have been some explanation, but to just throw this into the mix, like, what? Who are these people? Why are you only using them now? As a writer, I feel like, yeah, as a writer, I feel like uh, it feels like he was getting to this point and he wanted to throw in some action scenes to slow the pacing. Mm. Yeah. I do want everything to wrap up in two volumes. So, and, and from here, I remember the rest of this arc feeling to me padded and slow, not bad. But you'll see because you'll, you guys are going to be reading the next five volumes, and you can disagree with me. Mm -hmm. But um, you probably will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking, Drew. We love you. Uh, our friend J.R. Carroll is here. Uh, maybe he didn't want to throw his strongest assets into the field in case the other ones were holding back mm. as well. We'll see. The, mm. Yeah, the that's a the, fair. Yeah, I think yeah. the order of the Black Dog Knights. It kind of played to me like as a typical action movie when the, the villain keeps throwing wave after wave at the hero like okay good send the stronger people in now and so it's kind of like it kind of building you know so it, it kind of seemed like a like an action movie mm -hmm. yeah it's just the natural progression of a story right like oh we're gonna mix it up and throw this one in yeah yeah It, it, yeah, it, it did feel like in like 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 oh. you know, let's have one really big guy who throws javelins and one really skinny guy and then one guy who like hides under the water and like the hot chick to do something else. It it, it yeah, it, it's a little lazy. I mean, it's fine. I mean, it was also serialized, right? So I don't know that you could go back and fix things that you add later if right. it was. Right. Right. Um, and the king aged poorly in that year. <laughs> I think the stress probably <laughs> aged him a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I was trying to remember if I didn't remember just how withered his face was before, but I guess... And that was yeah. a hard year for him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've seen him berserk for how, you know, how he uses just um, facial structure and body shape and everything else to transmit information mm -hmm. right uh and to reflect either to reflect the the interior character or to deceiving deceive us into thinking that they're one type of people instead of they're a different type of pe person um so it's i mean we've seen him use it as a storytelling mechanism i guess mm -hmm. um it's not just like you know they're normal people 
and you you know you can look whatever and can be whatever inside and there's no correlation if you have an egg-shaped head you're a bad person probably yeah. just, in the world of return you know, so. the tyranny of the egg-shaped heads <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and we've seen like the more deformed they look like the more they've been kind of not great people yeah. up to now <laughs> uh, so probably the aging of the king is just meant to show the uh, corruption and mm -hmm. the decay yeah. of his soul, sort of. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly had some kind of collapse after, you know, molesting his daughter, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Dan, I think you make an excellent point about the moral decay, right? Because you can see the actual decaying of his body. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe maybe if that's how it is in this world. In this world, uh, if you're a bad person, you start changing <laughs> outside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Your, your egg turns into an egg. Gray. Yeah. <laughs> well, look at the the people that are surrounding the the king though. They're young and they're innocent, right? So they mm -hmm. haven't had a lot of, I guess, instances okay. where their souls become corrupted. Yeah. It's also mm -hmm. it good contrast between him and his daughter, right? Like it's an even more striking contrast. Um, right through into the movie. <laughs> so true. Yeah. I don't know. You see him with two young, very like innocent looking and pretty attendants. And I just think this guy is a known pedophile. I mean, who, who else is he going to have as an attendant? But that's me. Yeah. I don't know. We talked about the Bakki Raka and maybe they had other reasons to not throw their best assets at them. But then he also has the Black Dog Knights, who has a very creepy seeming leader. They also were nowhere to be found in the battles before. I think there's a reason for that, but we haven't gone into those mm. chapters yet. But mm -hmm. I might be wrong. That's just my reasoning. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it, I can justify it in the sense that we have to realize we're in a feudal society uh, in which each, um, you know, the king is its on its own like a feudal lord uh, and it's got lieges, lieges and other people who swear fealty at him, but they have their own, you know, estates or baronies or whatever, which sometimes are in conflict with the king. And in history, we've seen a lot of times even they can just be in open warfare against the king. So it's mm -hmm. not just like it's one monolithic empire, um, just like it would be I don't know, post-Renaissance, uh, like, well, post-Enlightenment or something. Um, it's more of a collection of different small states, right? Um, so maybe the king doesn't want to use his own best troops, and he wants to use his feudal lord's best troops, right? Mm -hmm. Because we've seen in the discussion when we talked about attacking the fortress, we're like, well, nobody wanted to do it because they're going to lose their soldiers. Mm. And they're like, well, if you want Griffith to do it, sure could go for it, uh, but you're not going to get any help. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes but that's sense. at least how I, I justify it. Again, another lesson in economics, right? How many resources are you willing to lose? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Demand and supply. Okay. Well, if we lose them, that's okay. Because we still got other other people. So again, managing your resources, right? From a, yeah. And, <laughs> But here's the thing, I'll, I'll say this and then I'll stop whining about it. <laughs> Wild, the, the, the leader of the Black Dog Knights, 
is very much not human looking. Mm -hmm. right. yeah. like inhuman levels of strength and stuff. And yet in the preceding like four or five volumes, we have no hint that people like this exist. When they see um what's his name? Uh the, the guy with the horns. Um um, you know, uh, the, the uh, yeah, like they, mm, yeah, they, they're like, I, I've never seen anything like this before. My mind couldn't conceive of this as a possibility that someone could be this strong. And this dude's apparently been around the whole time. Everyone's like, oh, the black dog. They're not saying, what are the black dog knights? You never heard of them. They're saying, not them. Those guys are jerks, right? They're, they all know these people, right? They've presumably fought alongside them in wars. And like, this guy does not look human. And yet when we've seen other non-human things, everyone's like shocked. And now this guy's been there all along. So I'm like, mm. is he really non-human though, or just a very strange-looking human? Well, they sort of say like he's like a beast. There's something. How does he say it? That man called Wilded. There's something strange about him. He's mm. like a beast. Yeah, know. it's sort of like a bit like a Neanderthal. It looks like. Um, yeah. But I mean, we've seen other weird, weird-looking people. Even the Bakiraka look kind of weird. If you saw them in real life, you would be like, that's, I mean, you wouldn't see them in real life because they wouldn't exist. Uh, <laughs> like the body proportions are all wrong. So to me, at least looking at that, it's like within the realms of acceptance, sort of. It's like borderline, but it's like, it's, I'm like thinking, is there something extra on him or is he just weird? He's got a normal assortment of like limbs and features, right? These are like two hours, yeah. two years. Oh, I see. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. It's, it's very exaggerated, and it, you you'd be like, you know, there's something weird about this guy, but it's not like it's so outlandish compared to some other things we've seen before. And mm -hmm. Zod, when he transforms, it's like before transforming, even before transforming, people didn't, you know, they're like, oh, this is insane, but they weren't like, this is magic or a demon or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. It's only after he saw like horns, and that's yeah. like okay, that's not normal. Before mm -hmm. that, he was just an unusually big dude. All right, yeah. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. <laughs> well, it, but if you look at how he's actually introduced, right? So on the very next page, after the that particular night, says he's like a beast. The very next page, you see him, you know, engaging in very lossful activities, and so it, it seems like the way that certain people are portrayed are drawn that way so here we have a beast a beast that cannot control his own lust and that he's just sort of like uncontrollable right wild mm -hmm. and uh so it kind of adds to his own character um at least through the the way he's illustrated right because he's a beast so beasts are kind of like wild and uncivilized and heathens that can't control their their own I don't know, lost, like I keep saying, but. Um. Yeah. And I assume there's a lot of, like you said, because uh, people seem to know about the Black Dogs. So there's probably a lot of people talking about them and rumors flying and saying, oh, this guy's like a beast or whatever. Mm -hmm. But again, we also have to remember, put ourselves in medieval Europe and there's people telling us, oh, I went to India and there's people with uh, wings instead of arms, right? And that was a legit thing that people said uh and you know some people are like yeah sure and some people are like, oh yeah it's it's real there's super weird things outside of europe it's a fantastical beasts right mm -hmm. we see them even in in historical texts right people thought jews uh, had horns and there were jews in europe and they thought jews yeah. had horns yeah so it's it 
it's like probably people think about like they say oh you know i saw a demon it was like at the end and people believed it just like people believed it in real like in mm-hmm. in our own t- not in our own time in our own world even though it wasn't real so mm-hmm. i'm sure there's like because we we also saw people before when we were talking about the um, uh the fairy dust that they gave to guts to heal him right mm-hmm. so yeah. people seem to believe fairies are there and that's supernatural right um yeah. So it's not like people don't believe in supernatural, right? But I just I just think about it like, you know, our own medieval world. If I was a person there, I would believe maybe in fairies and stuff like that, even though they're not real. We know here that they are. But, you know, it's one thing about thinking there's like elves in the forest. There's another thing seeing an actual elf in the forest. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's true. And, and maybe this, this group isn't... <laughs> Bound to the Midland army, like the hawks were. Maybe they just like out in the wild somewhere that they never tried to hire, and now they are desperate enough to. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why we haven't heard of them because you know we're not following. We're only following the hawks. Yeah, but yeah, it's probably like what Joe said. To be honest, mm-hmm. but. I enjoy it more if I can make up my own canon resource. <laughs> it is not, you know? Yeah. No, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, I would assume a lot of this is, like, made up as they went because of loose outlining and not planning 40 volumes <laughs> with every tiny detail uh, when you start serializing the thing. But He's definitely, like, yeah. done some stuff and then been like, uh, I shouldn't have done that. I mean, there's a deleted chapter. Mm. You bring it up because it's super fascinating. But like, you're like, you wrote the chapter and really printed it, and he's like, eh, "People shouldn't know that yet. <laughs> Let's not put it in the collections." And then they yeah. didn't. But we also know that he had he planned the, the outline. He he like he thinks very far in advance. At least in the 2000s, he was thinking quite many years in advance. We do know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe at this point he wasn't because he's just like, I don't know how long I'll get paid to do this. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, there is definitely likely some making it up as you go, but then the person making it up as they went probably had to justify, like, they probably had the same questions, hopefully, and they maybe justified it. So, so you um, guys disagree with me, and you can't answer this yet, but I'm going to put it out there now. I don't think he really had a plan for what to do after this arc. Mm-hmm. So hmm. that's my theory, and that he got there and was like, what do I do now? And you can disagree with me, and I, you know we're gonna have to read fifteen more volumes before you can <laughs> argue, like, say I'm right or wrong, because you haven't read that far yet. But I'm gonna say it now. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think he he really had a plan. I think he had a pretty good plan. That I mean, he had a plan from the beginning, clearly that covered eighteen or sixteen volumes, which is a lot, you know. And yeah. was, I'm not putting him down, but I feel like he got there, and I didn't. I didn't we'll see. Maybe I Yeah. I mean, I don't know what anyone else. Um how to say opinion on this is, but I usually don't care what the author intended. Like, it's interesting to know, you know, it might be some discussion and might be, again, interesting to figure out, but I usually don't care. Uh, and if I interpret a work in a different way than the author, that's just the way it is. Um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see what we think when we finish this arc. And I, I want to know what other people think about the ending of it, because it is sure we'll have differing opinions hmm. uh, yeah 
I think we should be documenting the, the style of the illustrations. <laughs> so we have the eggheads or kind of, you know, don't trust mm -hmm. them. <laughs> now we got yeah. beast looking things. Yeah. Maybe a little too lustful. Yeah. But skull face is good. Yeah, skull face. <laughs> Bearer of death. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there's definitely going to be changes in style. Uh, even I even think, Joe, after this arc, I... I think it's a difference. It, it feels to me in my mind like first it's a different style than next arcs, mm. really. And then the modern style is different than that too. Uh, so, yeah, we can see. And once you go forward, it's interesting to just flip back to an old one and just compare, because um, then you see the big differences. They're just slowly changing. Yeah, I. I sort of thought that there was an intermingling of the pre-golden arc i don't know about style but like the feeling with mm -hmm. the golden age um style art because i remember everything felt like really dark and um depressing in the first two and a half volumes and this whole volume wasn't like that but there were pages where it felt like that like especially in the dungeons whenever the creatures appeared it felt a yeah. bit darker yeah oh the mask isn't attached to him they can open it yes yeah, they can open it right they looked at him and be like well not let's not look at him anymore let's cover it down guts him craps himself and he looks in there stay yeah. back don't look yeah. There was there was a moment when I think um Griffith no Guts and Casca were being affectionate with each other and we sort of zoomed in on one eye of Griffiths looking at them. I yeah. I felt terror mostly <laughs> at that. <laughs> but um I don't know, I feel like maybe sympathy is warranted because maybe he's feeling left behind that a lot mm -hmm. has changed since he's been in the dungeon or I, I was I, I might think that he would be but mostly I just felt terror I mean yeah I know probably some sympathy is given that uh, should be given to him given he's been tortured for a year uh, yeah you know? yeah but it's also if, if I'm allowed to go on another small tangent uh I like you mentioned the eye because it's like I interpreted it in a different way, uh, like you alluded. And that reminded me of, I don't know who said it, it was some director or something in film. Uh, and he was talking to an actor uh, about how to do a scene. Uh, I think something like that. And then the actor was like, oh, how do I portray this emotion or whatever? Um, maybe it was two actors talking. I don't know. Anyways, the, the advice was like, uh, don't act. Just just have a plain normal face and the audience will read what they want to read on your face and they will think it's deeper than if you actually, you know, um, scrunch your face or did like this crazy expression, right? And that's the same as I, like when I saw that eye, that's what I think. It's like, you can read anything you want mm. into that, right? And yeah. it will feel more powerful because you can read, you mm. think it's like, oh, it's a subtle, um, sort of emotion I can read and you think it's more powerful that way. Yeah. It's the and imagination. That's a point. Yeah. It's the imagination that's much more powerful than the actual yeah. event. And you know who was very good at that was Alfred Hitchcock. 
Mm. So when you watch the, uh, what is it? The psycho? Is it the psycho? I think it is yeah. the psycho. Uh, you know, you don't actually see what happens, but your mind sort of fills in the gaps for you, which is much more, much more scarier <laughs> than yeah. if you had seen, a, you know, seen the actual slashing mm. itself. So yeah, our yeah. imagination is probably the. This is the, how you portray trauma, right? You always, as a writer. Someone's like, oh, I want to show the trauma this person went through as a kid. And I'm like, you don't have to ever show the trauma they went through as mm -hmm. a kid. Just show them as a broken adult. People will infer <laughs> the trauma they had as a kid mm -hmm. far more horribly than anything you're going to want to write. Exactly. The mm -hmm. And they're going to just, well, they'll, they'll fill it in. And they do. People, you know, we do. Yeah. But like those scenes are, like you said, there's a contrast that you notice between the scenes with the, like the demons in the dark and the rest of the Golden Age arc, right? Mm -hmm. um and like it feels like every time we see a demon in this arc it feels like they shouldn't be there like they feel like like the previous arc the demons didn't feel out of place at least to me in this sort of how they were portrayed in the sort of world they sort of felt like you know the style was the same and there wasn't much contrast with the rest of the world mm -hmm. well here they feel like there's something you know uh, they're not usually there like they're it's like a demon appeared in, in our in our world right that would be uh yeah. quite different right <laughs> and i think it adds more gravitas i guess to the mm. scenes I, I yeah i really like those scenes and i really like when there's contrast in art right and you see mm -hmm. like light and the dark or we, we've seen before the the king and the daughter casca and the princess like there's all this contrast mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. it makes it interesting yeah we do i forget the character's name one of the soldiers when when guts does see griffin and he goes on the hundred hundred man killing spree again mm -hmm. um she does mention did i imagine it but the soldiers attacks seem to stop part stop part way through so maybe guts is having a helping hand maybe mm -hmm. I mean, I again, to. we still don't know what the, you know, uh, free will and all this stuff is like. Can can these demons manipulate the world so that it ends up where they want it to end up? Mm -hmm. Like mm. you said, it could be. And and Zod didn't seem to be in the same class of demons as these others so far, at least. Um, at least based on the fact that he was trying to help guts and. All the others he's met so far just tried to kill him. Uh, Zod seems different. The skeleton knight gave him some warning, but he didn't attack him. But then we think the skeleton knight was born of whatever sacrifice was made in those dungeons. So, yeah, it's interesting where they all come from. This Zod, Sorry, Zod feels more like the what's it called? I don't know, like the noble antagonist archetype, right? Mm. Like he gives you a chance, he he's fair about it. Um and the other demons are more like the, the deranged uh, psycho <laughs> enemy. Uh you know, where they're just, you know, very sort of a, a slave to their own instincts or whatever. Right? Yeah. So you kinda like Zod a bit, you know, you're not like I hate him. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think I'm largely neutral about him, which is nice because I dislike the others intensely. I <laughs> <laughs> hope so. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, I really like this love. <laughs> well, it's just interesting when he says withdraw, right? So, like, okay, what's going to happen with this one? And do we ever find out the name of that one elf? The what does she look like? I think there's two other demons that which yeah, um, that we haven't seen uh, before. She's down here in this corner. Ooh. Oh, can't see. Yeah, like the moth sort of. Uh, yes, the moth-looking one. I don't but know. That, if we, yeah, we ever. And then there's also the, the scarab, the dung beetle demon, right? Because he mm -hmm. makes the, a ball out of the corpses. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I think I think it's supposed to be like a dung beetle. <laughs> demon i think because <laughs> they make the, the balls of dung right and it looks kind of like a beetle um, uh, i think that's what it's sort of supposed to be okay yeah i couldn't figure that out at all <laughs> I, mean, I mean i when it's all tangled up like this i don't spend too much time on figuring it out I yeah that did, one but... <laughs> yeah yeah that one yeah and that's why i walked past those brand marks <laughs> Um, so this this scene, someone I think it's the princess telling them the story of that dungeon, and she mentions that five angels were sent to um, to stop that king, the skeleton king, a skull king. That's what she calls him here. So I, I wondered if those five angels became the god's hand in. Or if there's just like five different angels. But then someone's already surprised that there were four and not five. Maybe there were five at some point. Maybe there maybe. will be five later on. Yeah, there maybe maybe they can later. die, they can be defeated, maybe. Mm. Or maybe five is like um how do I say? Five is like a symbolic number, just like three in our world or upper numbers. And mm. it's just Maybe I don't yeah. know. Actually, yeah. I I'll I'll try and remember that and see if we notice five in other places. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're just getting more. I think we're just getting more questions for now. No, not no answers, right? <laughs> yeah. The one thing for sure, though, is guts still has both hands. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I get to the end of every volume, I'm like, oh, sh he still has his hands. Okay. And both eyes. Yeah. 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 That, was, that was one scene where I thought maybe he'd lost his eye. I forget after fighting whom. But then he came back with both eyes intact. So, so it's he's still whole. Yeah. He's so, not broken yet. Yeah. So predictions uh, from Dolores and uh, Varsha. <laughs> Will he have his arm at the end of the Golden Age arc? Yes or no? No. I don't think so. That's why it's called the Golden Age, right? After that, it's like, uh, yeah, we're, it's not the Golden Age anymore. <laughs> the Golden Age wasn't about friendship and yeah. whatever time he had with the band. It was because he had both his eyes. <laughs> Those were good days. <laughs> Yeah, I was a whole demon. <laughs> Maybe the next arc is the platinum platinum age or the diamond age. Who knows? Mm. It gets better. 
Mm-hmm. But I but I used Auntie Google and I know that that's not uh, true. <laughs> maybe it has to go bad for a bit before getting better. Mm. Well, if it's all good, then who wants to keep reading, right? We need some drama in the story. You have plenty of that. Well, at least now we know at least we know part of the trauma that I guess made Griffith um do what he's gonna do we still don't know what he's gonna do we sort of know when he ends up and we know that usually there's trauma involved mm-hmm. um and there's the reason why people do it it's not just randomly um and you know i can't even i i don't know i can't imagine i can try and imagine what it would be like going from the one of the more beloved people in a kingdom, everybody loves you, you're powerful, to being tortured for a whole year until you can't even move. Um, I'm sure that does something to someone, you know, it's I'm sure it's not even the strongest of wills, which we know Griffith has, I'm sure he's not unshaken by what happened to him. Uh, and at that point, let's I mean, if we think back about, you know, his dream, he has something he wants to achieve. I mean, how can he achieve it now, right? It's like, he's a broken man. He's like, he's, he's nothing. How can he achieve whatever he wants to achieve, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, and he's vain too, right? I mean, his looks is what has gotten him to the point that he's gotten, right? Because he's, he's good looking. Yeah, he's, he's, he's beautiful. People are like, oh, look how beautiful he is. And now he's just kind of like ugly. The corpse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you do you think we're supposed to? So we know he's gonna. We 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 have all the pieces, right? We don't know the details, but we know he's gonna sort of betray guts, right? right? That's that's obvious. I think. I hope. I hope I didn't spoil anything, right? But like, we don't know the details, but so and we know guts is gonna be nothing but loyal to him, and he's going to betray guts. Do you feel like we're supposed to be feeling sympathetic towards Griffith at this point? sort of feeling bad enough for him that on some level we're willing to forgive it. And I ask because I don't. I know. But I think we're supposed to. I don't because I feel like he did this to himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 I but I think we're supposed to feel some sense of he's been traumatized to because why else would he be traumatized this badly? Mm-hmm. Uh, in in you know the the year of torture, you know maimed in every conceivable way you know it's like oh and i guess we're supposed to feel bad for him for it i think so so i think i i don't forgive him that's not there and i don't think it will be but i feel more sympathy for him i think what happened so far was i was letting what i know (laughs) we came from color my opinion of griffith i expected him to just be this ruthlessly ambitious person who eventually, when everything else fails, probably sacrificed guts and his closest friends to get to, you know, become one of the God's hand. But now the perspective I have is, you know, if he had not been tortured for a year, maybe he wouldn't have done any of that. Maybe, you know, the band of Hawks would still exist uh, or and they'd be conquering worlds together and Griffith would still be this beloved leader, probably. But because of what happened to him, 
he's maybe either he wants to still fulfill his ambitions maybe he's out to get vengeance in some way or just wants to burn the world because of what happened to him but now i think i'm a lot more disposed to feel sympathy towards him i don't necessarily forgive because like i think that sacrificing your friends like whatever the reason probably not forgivable but i feel like i can maybe try to understand like he's not he's not the same person that i thought he might have been from where we came uh at the beginning so in that sense my perspective on him has changed but not to the point where i like like and understand i i think i like what he was before now a lot more uh i was disposed to uh look cynically at everything he did <laughs> but now i don't because we know the turning point that probably led to the events later on yeah i mean i'm going to i think i'm going to be in disagreement with everyone over the course of this read through <laughs> in that i don't actually hate griffith i mm. actually i mean i like him as a character and i i don't know um i usually like to take the part of villains in the books I read. I think it's fun and I like to root for them uh, and like to imagine what it would be like, you know, why they're doing their things they're doing. Um, so I kind of like villains usually, and that's, you know, one of the reasons, and maybe it's because I think of myself a bit of a selfish and weak person. So if I was put in a situation where, you know, I'm like in front of hell and I can decide, am I going to sacrifice my loved ones for immortality or am I going to eternal hell? Would I be strong enough to do the right choice? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it might be a toss up. It might not even be a toss up. It might be 90, 90, 10, maybe. I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> I don't like your yeah. perspective. We do. I think that's the conversation, right? I mean, it gives a, a different perspective and it's not just like beat the one person, but someone's like, hey, how about we look at it from this other perspective? Uh, I think that's. You know, you could be the devil's advocate, and I think it challenges us to look at situations from both views, right? And it just adds to the overall conversation. That's probably a remnant of my edgy teen personality, just a little <laughs> bit like the dark, uh, evil lords and live cool in their black suits or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like when I read in the Lord of the Rings, I'm like, oh, yeah, it would be interesting if, if Sauron won. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Sauron had the trains running on time, right? None of us living yeah. in the forest, uh, you know, he'd have trains, we'd have like disposable tooth, you know, toothbrushes. I mean, <laughs> stuff would happen. Yeah. But I think it's going to be at least an interesting discussion when we get further and there's going to be a lot of, you know, because we're going to see a bit of what uh, Griffith does and why he does it and other things. Um, and yeah, it's also a bit of a, you know, sometimes like realist versus idealist perspective or, uh, utilitarian versus, you know, some other perspectives. It's a bit about that sort of stuff too. Um, people like to read books about the romantic side, uh, cause they, they want to be, they want to think we're like that or that the world works that way. Uh, maybe they're right. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a cynic. Or or maybe they want the world to be better <laughs> and they want it to be like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, and the real world is not black and white. It's like varying different shades of gray. So. Mm. Or is it though? 
I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe it depends. It is. <laughs> depends what your philosophy is. Yeah. You know? Depends on the facts it had, right? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for some people, the world is very black and white, mm -hmm. right? Uh, do you know, they know what's right or know what's wrong? Um, and it's not great, so. But I don't know. People like to think. That. <laughs> <laughs> people like to think that the great perspective is more nuanced and more correct, but it doesn't have to be necessarily. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's a bit yeah. of a relativistic approach to. It's a, it's a meta approach to <laughs> philosophy a bit, but. The answer, as always, is it depends. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. Does anyone else want Casca to live uh, past this so that she meets Josh. Buck and we see what happens <laughs> when they talk? Yeah. Joe's shaking his head. I hope, I, I, I hope she lives. I don't think she will. Casca mm. and Guts are such a cute couple. I know. Right? But we know a lot happens to guts, and so mm -hmm. I just yeah, don't. I, so. I would love to see her continue on, but I don't. I think her time is short. Mm. Guts can have nice things, so no, yeah. <laughs> guts can't have nice things. That's a classic quote. Oh, Maybe in the end he will. Cause, yeah, because not even me and Joe know what it, how it's how it's ended, right? Is mm -hmm. is is it actually going to end up with guts being happy? We still don't know. We I like hope. I like the yoga studio ending. <laughs> That's canon for me now. <laughs> the yoga studio is canon. Sword yoga, all the different poses with the sword. You hold it out. And he teaches it to others and encourages yeah. them to have their own Executive large sword. Mountains, Executive retreats. They all swing it at logs coming down. Uh -huh. Exactly. In shape. That's Fortune 500 company, you know, executives. Yeah, and he's, yeah. And he's drinking his smoothies. You know, he's got his power smoothie bar, a little extra charge. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know Maybe it's going to end up like that. I so hope so. I, I, yeah. want, I want to root for him and... and See that there is some hope and redemption. I think it's going to be a bittersweet ending, but I again, I'm not sure. It could end up being with a dojo and swords. Yeah, as long as it does not end like season eight of Game of Thrones, we will be okay. We, we do know the series didn't end. Like Kentaro Mira died. Like that's not. A yeah. spoiler. Well, I guess it's a spoiler, but I don't know. I'm sorry. But um, we know how he wanted it to end, and they're going to finish it the way. Yeah, because oh. the guy that's doing it right now, which I forgot his name again um he just... is finishing based on a conversation he had in which uh Kentaro Miura outlined the whole uh arc up to bending with him um so it is going to end the way he's like roughly the way he intended it maybe some details are going to be different but the rough details are should be the same unless he lied which he might i don't know i would well, maybe, he, maybe he changed his mind because I believe this conversation was three or four years before he died or something. So sure. he could have changed his mind in between about what the ending was going to be. I'll take I'll, t I'll take what he thought three or four years ago. I'll accept that as canon. That's fine with me. As long as Miura actually said it, which we'll never know, right? Because it was always, I'm sure, in private. But yeah. um, who's getting redeemed? That's the question. Does Bogut's need redemption? Has he done anything wrong? I don't think he has. 
Griffith. I, I don't think we're, I don't think I, I can't imagine Griffith this being a redemption arc for Griffith. I can't imagine after what happens. I can't imagine that's possible. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe. Maybe oh, yeah. Maybe Who knows? Imagination is to the task. Maybe he like sacrifices his life. Wouldn't that be nice? <sighs> Griffith gives his life. I'm so sorry for all the wrongs I've done. Let me give my life. Yeah, I really can't. <laughs> but, but only the maestro was left for him. I suppose that's, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know if it's super relevant, but what what are everyone's thoughts on like incomplete works because the author died? Do you like it because you can think about whatever you want about the ending, or does it frustrate you? It frustrates um, me. Frustrating. I believe the ending informs the quality of the work. So, for example, I think Lost was uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica, the remake. To me, it was awful. Even though, if you just watch the first mm -hmm. season, because the ending ruins it for me. It retroactively makes the whole thing meaningless by the way they ended it. So mm -hmm. once I saw that, I'm like, okay, this is a crappy show. And I'm not people disagree, and that's fine. But um, so to me, when it's unfinished, you don't really know how good it was. Hmm. But that's me. <laughs> I don't care about endings that much. Most of the books I read, I don't remember how they ended. So. <laughs> Honestly, I, I genuinely can't remember how many of my favorite books ended. So it's mostly for me, the process of reading and getting to wherever I can, I suppose. So. Journey, not the destination. Mm -hmm. hmm. And I also like the ending of yeah. Lost. there's all this cool stuff that happened early and you thought it was like oh it's gonna it's gonna tie in it's gonna be some super cool story and most of these threads were never meant anything and yeah. the, once i realized that the authors admitted that the writers admitted that in interviews oh most of the stuff didn't mean anything we never had a plan for that oh. it made those early episodes less good to me than they mm -hmm. felt. felt like i was being teased somehow like if it if the if the if the, if the, if the, the hints don't pay off they were they were cheap if yeah. they do pay off, then I'm satisfied. Then the whole thing is good in my memory. But if they don't pay off, they were never going to pay off. It's all cheap, you know? So I don't know. But you I think I'm very much in your camp, Joe. It's like, if an end, you need, like, there's a lot of series which go on forever and people think they're great. I don't know, like, oh, One Piece or whatever. You can argue that they're great or not. But uh, I think a lot of it is propped up by the fact that they're not ending it. Um, and then, you know. We'll hold off on One Piece judgment because he has said he's going to end it and he has a plan and there is progress yeah. in the storyline. So that might just be a very long, like, I don't think that's meant to be just repetitive going on forever until he gets tired. I mean, he said that there's a plan and maybe he's lying, but you know, I mean, narrative an ending, that's one of my favorites and that had progress. Things happened and changed at every stage. You know, if you read every set of 10 volumes, it's different. Like stuff happens. Um, Dresden things change. I'm trying to think about, you know, I don't know. I know, but that's one of the reasons why I'm, a lot of, uh, for example, Marvel uh, comics don't do it for me because they don't have resolutions really. Uh, like final capstones. Yeah, I know. It's the model, but that doesn't give you a satisfied conclusion. And yeah. if you're writing Daredevil, you can't tell his complete story arc and finish because someone else yeah. has to write the next issue. 
Like you're not allowed to. That's what's so different about manga in general from the American comics or from American mainstream comics, right? You don't have that. You're alone with a cub. It could end because those guys owned it. No one else is going to like write volume 28 alone with a cub or whatever. Yeah. And you can judge it as one piece of work when it's yeah. ended, right? Um, and yeah. And like you said, I, I remember when I was a huge Harry Potter fan, I read the whole series probably eight or nine times, maybe probably even more. Before the last book, I read the last book one time and vending like ruined everything for me and I haven't looked at it since. <laughs> it, it literally completely, <laughs> and in some other cases, vending was just, I was satisfied and went back to read it again because yeah. I was, I just want to read it again and get to vending again. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we... I cared about, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Rush. I, I, did, I think Harry Potter is my example as well when I cared about what happens next, how is this going to end. And also because I think she had hyped up the ending so much that I know what the last line is, what the last page is, and so on. So, um, yeah, so that one I think I remembered and cared about the ending a lot. But since, and like the waiting was so painful for the next book that I decided I'm not going to read an unfinished series anymore. Uh, but I changed that in the last couple of years. But um, but yeah, I think I think since then I don't necessarily remember caring about endings all that much. Yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. Sorry, Steve, you were saying something. I know, I was going to ask you, is next week the week that you're out of town? Yes. Okay. So we're going to do another two-week um interval between the next one okay. yeah we can do two yeah, yeah virtual we traveling mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. yeah especially because these i think the next volumes are quite dense and mm. okay interesting stuff happens so you know probably want to have Varsha's opinion on what you think about them and maybe i'll pay more attention to the tangled images this time i cannot believe i missed those brand marks <laughs> I will join whenever I can, but I have to like pick up my stepdaughter from college in a few weeks, and then I am on a cruise for two weeks. Mm. So carry on without me. I'm going to be in the Baltic. Joe, you have to cancel the cruise. You have reserve to talk about. <laughs> Get we've internet been, access. We've been planning this for like two years. No joke. I'm going to see. And they keep taking, did I tell you guys this? They keep taking stops off our trip mm -mm. like every few weeks because we were supposed to go from like, Denmark to St. Petersburg. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, you're not going to St. Petersburg about a year ago, right? Mm -hmm. Obvious reasons. And then they're like, you're not going to Estonia. And then the whole NATO thing, and like, you're not going to Finland. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they keep like pulling back. Like, we'll take you to Berlin, but you're not going to Finland. <laughs> so they don't want a bunch of tourists getting bombed, you know? Wow. So we keep getting stuff retracted. It's fine. I mean, we're seeing great stuff. I'm not upset, but it's just. We thought we'd have to worry about like COVID canceling things, and it turned out it's Russia. <laughs> Jesus. Not not to not to add any stress to your shoulders, but how's the deadline coming? I'm good. I I passed fifty thousand words today, and I have all the middle. I have all the middle. Um, I have all the middle uh, threads uh, 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 plotted uh, loosely. So uh, you know, you, I, I have a, I have I have a bizarre writing structure, which makes it very hard. <laughs> so. <laughs> So uh, hopefully I can get it all to tie together and we'll get to the dinosaurs and um, yeah, we'll see. Wait, uh, is this the fourth um, damn it, uh, hybrid helix book? 
So dinosaurs, did you say? <laughs> I have a fantasy novel that's in, um, like, I need to finish another revision probably and get it to editing and just release it. I was trying to get it to some publishers and I just got rejected this week. Um, so I did one more rewrite of that, but that's done. Like it's done, mm -hmm. it just needs to be cleaned up. And mm -hmm. then I'm writing the fourth hybrid Helix novel. And I, that I has to go to my editor. I have a, a, a an editor, I have a slot with my regular line editor who I love, but uh, it's July. I have to get it to her by July. So I have very little time to finish it, get it to hopefully a few beta readers, get some feedback, clean it up a little bit and then pray. But but my, the more I'm, I'm atypical, the more I write, the cleaner my first drafts are and the harder they are to write. But the closer they are to my final product. Every book, the, they get closer. So, um, I mean, my grammar is always off. And the, I always need line editing, but the structure. Doesn't matter. Yeah, but that's easy. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, so this one is, you know, it's every book, the, you've got to pull in all these different because you all these setups and all these characters, motivations, got to pull it all into every book. So now it's like three books worth of lore. I've got to like make sure it's all consistent. <laughs> it's, it's a brain twister. Mm. Sounds like it. So we'll be taking uh, next week off. We'll see everyone back in two weeks. Uh, Dolores, where can people find you if they want to contact you? They can find me on page Chewy. I'm I'm there. I post. And they haunt around in the background. But if you'd love to have a conversation with me, drop me a line. Yeah, Joe? Uh, I'm on page showing occasionally. I'm on Twitter constantly uh, <laughs> at JoeBurn1. Joe and uh, I have my own, uh, go to my website, jcmburn.com. Find my books on Amazon. And uh, my YouTube channel is uh, jcmburn, I think. I don't know. If you search for jcmburn, you'll find my channel. Not that hard. <laughs> Um, uh, it's probably a link. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I like that it's been about five weeks, and every time it's still, I don't know the name of my job. <laughs> clever. I'm not reading by any geographic entity. There's no weather in it. I'm just, it's just my name. And Dan, what about you? Um, yeah, you can find me also on the Patreon forum. I don't post a lot, but. I'm around and uh, you cannot find my books anywhere because I haven't written any yet. So, unfortunate. <laughs> Farsha. And I'm the one with the channel with the weather and geographic <laughs> entity. <laughs> you can also find me on page chewing and other ways to reach me are on the about page. <laughs> so. I, don't, I don't know how writers can even open Twitter because I would not get it. I mean, it seems like just a pitfall for writers. I don't know how they do it. It's miserable. Sucks up all my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but thanks, everyone. So we'll see everyone here in two weeks and discuss volume 11. Sounds good. Bye, guys.